Welcome to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Crystal Washington, and today you're going to enjoy immediately implementable tips. First, we'll continue our conversation with Jeanette Smith, VP at Leading Authority Speakers Bureau, on what you need to do right now as a professional speaker to start working with more bureaus. Next, we'll hear from Chris West regarding the Speaker's Guide to Video for Business Building. Then we'll conclude with Sharon Weinstein on what you need to know about the CSP designation. Let's get this party started. For speakers who want to partner with bureaus, maybe they haven't partnered with any bureaus before, but um, they're interested. Can you share maybe two to three action items you'd suggest they take right now if they're listening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'd say continue to build your own website, your own social media outreach and infrastructure, however you can, and organically build that demand as best you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Craft your topic descriptions. Uh, just have things that are ready, ready to go, ready to package when people are interested. Also, you know, if when you're doing events, uh, if it's recorded, always get the copy of the tape. Uh, there's nothing quite like a actually seeing somebody on t- on film to mm-hmm. give clients that sense of your your personality and your onstage presence. And keep all your client testimonials. If a client has great feedback, you know, even separate them by by the industry of the client is sometimes helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is, especially for new speakers, as best you can, don't do speeches for free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you're just the person like, oh, I got that word gets around like so fast. Mm. Start setting a price for yourself. If it's uncomfortable to negotiate yourself, if it's like a friend or an acquaintance or a company that wants you to do a favor and you don't feel quite comfortable, you can always pass that to a bureau partner to Mm -hmm. vet, you know, always, you know, feel free. You should reach out, find an agent that you kind of trust. And you're like, Hey, I don't know if they have money or not. Do you mind negotiating and finding out? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that bureau partner, I mean, they're, they're invested. They want to, they want to make this work for you. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, we'll always be honest with, we'll always be honest with you and tell you like, Hey, they gen, they have like, they have like $2,000. Why don't please take this direct or truly just genuinely don't have any money. And it's up to you if you want to do it or not, but that way you're not negotiating. If it's, if it's awkward to do that yourself, you can always hand it to a bureau partner. Um, and at least whenever that's happened to me, I'm always very honest Mm -hmm. about, Hey, look, I, this client's got $10,000 you know, are you comfortable me taking 20% Mm -hmm. that nets you eight is our, you know, and I'm real honest if it's somebody that I've never worked with before. And ideally that's more than perhaps you would have been able to get in that moment or better than free. So that's, you know, at some point uh, for new speakers, I think that would be my biggest. I just want to make sure that everyone listening actually caught that gym because it was amazing. But what someone may have missed is the fact that you basically stated, you know, if you're trying to get in with a bureau, one way to do it is if you have this potential business piece of business and you're not a good negotiator, contact the bureau and say, Hey, you know what? I'm looking at this. I need help. That might be a great way to get your way in the door, establish the relationship, get them some business. You get more than you normally would everyone wins. And then that lets them see how you work with clients. So I just want to make sure that wasn't buried for anyone listening because that's, that's kind of gold. (laughs) Um, 
Well, Jeanette, I really, truly appreciate you for spending time with us today and really sharing some advice on how we can work better with reputable speakers Bureau. So thank you so much, Jeanette. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Switching gears, let's discover the specific technology you should have and the mathematical formula you need to know to leverage video to fill your calendar. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have joining us Chris West, who over the last five years has worked with over 1,000 speakers whose income has increased by an average of 30% due to his help with video within their business. Thank you for joining us today, Chris. Oh, it's so good to be here. So I know today we're talking about the Speaker's Guide to Video just want to kind of get right into speaker demo reels because I think that's the one thing that's kind of accepted across the board that people need that we're all familiar with. How do you create them and how do you market them effectively? That's a very good question, much harder to answer in simplistic <laughs> terms, but the the number one thing I would say is that traditionally mm-hmm. speaker demo reels have been all about that word demo, demonstration. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, and especially this word sizzle, which is I think is a terrible word, but the idea of let me demonstrate to you what I can do. And so they put clip after clip of you speaking and that doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So people are using a model that just flat out doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So what does work? It's coming up with one distinct message and then you build the entire story about that. Okay. So that's the number one thing is if you don't know the one core message that you market with mm-hmm. and that your video needs to be about, mm-hmm. you're not ready to start the video yet. So moving from that sizzle reel model where we're having all those different clips, you're saying that we just, it's almost like a story, it sounds like, where we're really showing our thought leadership and just kind of having one cohesive thought is what you're saying in there? Yeah, so you start with one thought, one distinct message, Mm -hmm. and the way you get distinction is what specific solution or problems do I solve, Mm -hmm. and then what is my experience, what's my story, wherever you can combine your personal story with Mm -hmm. the solutions that you bring that's where you get distinction. No one else is going to bring that because that's your personal story. So once you have that clarity of message, now it's like, of all the clips that I have, mm-hmm. what tells that message the best? Okay. So then now now you know exactly which clips you're looking for, okay. and everything is backing up that one main idea. And, and then you can follow a story format. The easiest place that people can go if they're building their own or trying to figure it out is to go to storybrand.com, okay. which is Donald Miller's work, and they can just learn how to tell a story. Okay. As long as you have one distinct idea, mm-hmm. and you use your clips to tell a story, and every single one of your testimonials need to be in line with that. So, right. for example, if you have a testimonial that is about the problem you solve in a story, mm-hmm. the, the problem and the character come first. So we watch a movie, we see a character in a movie, mm-hmm. and they have something that they want or something they're trying to achieve. There's their problem. Not only, not, never until they, we have that established do we meet speaker or the guide or the person who can help solve it. So if you have a testimonial about they they really understood our issues, that Mm -hmm. goes early on. Okay. Right? But if you have one that says the results that we got were astounding, that you don't tell the results of the movie the beginning unless you're being very intentional with it. So you want to put that towards you know, midway through or towards the end so that people can generate that idea of, okay, now we're moving towards the results. So mm-hmm. you just come up with the one distinct message you want to be known for, mm-hmm. then use your clips to tell a story about that one message, and that is the effective way to make a demo reel. Okay. Now, regarding this demo reel, now that we have it, what do we do with it? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of very specific things that people should do. The first thing that they need to be doing is using it to reach out to a bunch of 
agents and bureaus and that thing about bureaus and they'll tell you this about it as well mm-hmm. they're interested in money right. not relationship and not like the best friend thing it's like if they can make good money from you they'll right. do it and so you have to approach bureaus in a way that you you line it up here's my main video here's four more that support that mm-hmm. here's exactly my fee and here's the true problem that I solve mm-hmm. and and then you need to actually go through a step-by-step process of first sending it to them following up with them scheduling a meeting if you can do it mm-hmm. so that's one side but I will say that I don't really uh, I don't tell people to really focus on bureaus because it's just not going to be right. a big revenue maker for you so far on a personal level outbound messaging is going to be the key okay so there actually is a formula for it what's the formula <laughs> say you want to speak 40 times okay so you need to take that 40 and multiply it by 10 okay. that's 400 that, that is. is how many opportunities you need to generate so what's an opportunity it is someone has either seen the video mm-hmm. someone has answered an email of yours okay. you've been on the phone with someone or someone has seen you speak now when you say these someone's are these people that can hire you or just general people in the world these are decision makers decision someone makers. who has the ability to either as a meeting professional be that false positive meaning that they can say yes but not no okay or a decision maker of some kind and so people are like okay i have to generate 400 opportunities mm-hmm. to get my 40 keynotes that's right and that that doesn't mean how many people you have to send the video to i'm not sure what that number is but okay. you do need to generate 400 opportunities on average which we've seen and we've analyzed it okay before you get those 40 engagements this is the process it really takes a person on your behalf mm-hmm. who really knows the system mm-hmm outbound emailing researching finding the right people right and there's a real process to that but the key is is that you cannot just make a demo reel sit it on your website and pray that people find it you wait, have to you, send it out wait, you mean if you build it they won't come they will Chris? Not come no this is terrible but the numbers get much better if you have a distinct message and a core story around it your video will be far more effective it will do 50% of the legwork all you got to do is get people watching it so you get higher conversions the better quality video if you're doing good stories telling and you're actually solving an issue absolutely oh look at what we're learning here so one of the other things you talk about is how we need to get great video footage from every event yes why why every single one I mean I only need the ones from when I'm on the huge stage right or the fancy one why every event yeah so every event and the reason you want to do every event is it sets you up for absolute success and Anybody who's listening has been a speaker or is aspiring to be a speaker already knows this. You come into one room, it's supposed to be big, and it's terrible. Or you come into one room, you thought it was going to be average, and somehow that person happened to be a very incredible person meeting professional and they've yeah. dialed this incredible you know stage and everything in you, you're you like, have Cirque du Soleil performers coming down totally. from the ceiling when you're speaking right. and they sold you a cramp a craptastic stage in the planning phase so totally. you had no idea and you didn't ha- you don't have it filmed That's and you're true. like oh I wish I had been here I wish I'd filmed I mean here's <laughs> the thing is as I've worked with speakers for the throughout years the ones who bring a camera mm-hmm. and I and I'll tell you the exact one to get oh okay and and the, the lav mic to take but if you bring a camera to every event you mm-hmm. just set it up in the back okay you are even if they get IMAX footage of you, it's just going to be from the waist up, right? Right. So if they're getting an IMAX shot of you, then you want to set it so that you can have the audience as well as, or the the size of the room. Okay. Or if there's no videographer there, you really want to film the event. So. Mm-hmm. People need to just get into the habit of bringing, even if they're the most advanced speaker ever, still, mm-hmm. you're going to be on IMAG stages, meaning that they will not get you audience footage. Right. That's right? True. You're like, oh, man, it was the best room ever. It's 3,000 people. You get the footage back. You're like, I could have been in an empty room. Right? Oh, be- think so about true. whatever you see on the IMAG, the screen, that is all that you're going to get. That's and true. 
they are only trying to magnify you to the audience so that the audience can see you better. Okay. So you really want to get in the habit of bringing a video camera with you. Mm-hmm. So the video camera is aimed at the audience, aimed at you, but I want to yeah. make sure I'm understanding the setup. If you have a videographer in the room, mm-hmm. you want to get the angle they're not getting. So okay. they're going to be waist up. What I would say, recommend is put it in the back of the room, mm-hmm. not facing down an, I- an aisle, but you want to be at an angle so that all we see are heads. Okay. And we want to have the audience back of their heads and you full stage in the shot so okay. that you can move around a lot. That's that's where to go if they uh, have a video video camera in the back. If they're like, no, we're filming it. We got two cameras. Perfect. Now you've got the waist up and you've got, you know, a, a larger shot in the back. Now right. put yours angled at the audience. But that's very unlikely. Usually they're not going to have two to three video video cameras. I've never had that happen. Yeah. In, so you, in the history of my speaking, there's always there's there's maybe one really good, but it's the iMac, like you said. I mean, you're, but you're not going to have multiple. That's um, so that's a great point. Now, you said you would even tell us what equipment we needed. Yeah. So right now, for the next several years, the Panasonic 4K camcorder, if you just type that in, Panasonic 4K camcorder, mm-hmm. it's going to give you the highest quality for the lowest cost. Okay. The reason you want to shoot in 4K is that when you film farther back, mm-hmm. you can zoom in on a 4K camera okay. and not lose that pixel rate. Okay. Right? And I want to share a quick story here because it's so important. People say, Chris, I know I should, but I'm probably not going to do this. And I will say this, anybody listening right now, you're listening to me and you're not going to buy this camera. But here's why you should buy it. Okay. <laughs> Our, I was working with Anna Leata, who many people in the National Speaker Association know, and she is just an incredible speaker. She was debuting her new Because, her new core, mar- uh, her, just what she's known for, her trademark material. Mm-hmm. And she had this big stage and the right one, but of course they said, we have an in-house video crew, you cannot bring anyone in here. And we were going to be creating a video right after to be able to, to premiere this. Right. So I was like, okay, well, whenever someone says we're filming this, you know, that's a red flag for that's not true. <laughs> or, really? <laughs> that you may or may get the footage. Okay. It may be good, it may not, but that is not a take to the bank comment, right? right. So. I called the video company that said they were filming it, and I asked the person, so are you going to film it? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, which camera are you going to use? The person told me, and it was going to be one that can shut off every 30 minutes. So I said, so it sounds like it's not like a, you know, that professional camera. She said, well, no, because we're taking photos with the camera as well. And this is so common. It's like, yeah, I was going to film some of it, not the whole thing. Oh, were you meaning that? So I told Anna, listen, you're on the way. Stop at Best Buy. Mm -hmm. Buy this Panasonic 4K camera. Mm -hmm. Grab a lav Mm -hmm. microphone. And she did. And we had the exact right footage we needed to to really premiere this stuff. I mean, you're going to lose these incredible opportunities if you don't have your own camcorder. So she set it up herself. She didn't have someone operating it. She set it up herself in the back back of the room. She bought a lav. What kind of lav that... Yeah. And so there's two price points. The one that is a... Legacy will never be bad. It's the one you want is the Sennheiser G3. Okay. But that's $600. Okay. And a lot of people are like, I am not going to spend $600. First well, thing I have to say there is that this is your craft. Right. And if it gets you new business, that's just an investment, I would imagine. Absolutely. But okay. there is a Rode microphone that's about 350 That lav microphone as well is going to be a good lav microphone, but it's really the Sennheiser G3 that you want. Sennheiser. They're just the one you need. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Now there's people out here that are figuring out, they're looking at their budgets. I'm t- Chris, I know you said that people aren't going to get it. I have a feeling that there's going to be people that get that just after hearing you because the value of video in a speaking business is huge. But 
here's a question for you. Here's the next one. How do you quickly and efficiently create your own video content? Tune in next week to discover how you can quickly and efficiently create video content to grow your business. Now let's hear from Sharon Weinstein, chair of the National Speakers Association's CSP Committee. In studio today, we have Sharon Weinstein, CSP, C-R-N-I-F-A-A-N, chair of the CSP Committee for 2019 2020. Thanks for being with us today, Sharon. Thanks for having me, Crystal. Delighted to be here. Well, I'm extremely excited that you're here because we're talking about the CSP designation. Do you mind sharing what that is? Not at all. The CSP designation or credential stands for Certified Speaking Professional. It is the hallmark earned professional designation of those who consider themselves professional speakers. There is nothing like it anywhere, anytime, anywhere in the world. Okay, so when you have that designation, what does that say about your commitment to speaking as a professional? It says that you're committed to eloquence, to enterprise, to ethics, that you're speaking at a higher level, that you truly are the cream of the crop, that you have upped your game and taken it to a whole new level, so that those individuals who bring you in to speak to them and to their groups and to their associations know that they are getting the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the highest quality that is possibly available. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the process for becoming a CSP? What's required to become a CSP? At the present time, the process involves an application that includes three phases. Those phases are such that in phase one, people simply fill out that application form mm -hmm. and then submit their documentation. Okay. The documentation includes 250 records Woo. of paid presentations okay. that were at a fairly significant level. And within that is also a 10-year period in which they have to have earned $50,000 a year in income, including back-of-the-room sales, books, and more, Okay. for at least five of those 10 years, but they do not need to be consecutive. Okay. So we're looking at income, and we're looking at the number of recorded or live presentations. Are there any peer review requirements with this application? Yes, there are. So within phase one, we're doing the application, we're submitting the fee, we're providing the names of those with our spreadsheet with respect to those to whom we presented. But there is another phase. Once you've gone past those first couple of phases, there is the video review phase. And the video review phase this year has dramatically changed. Right now, we're requiring a 30 to 45 minute video with you being heard as a spoken voice for a minimum of 35 of those minutes, unedited, and with the recording unstopped. That video will be shared with four members of a peer review panel, and they will vote using specific criteria on your presentation. Wow, so the speakers that make it to CSP level really have demonstrated that not only are they dedicated to the industry itself, but that they've had a number of clients that have reviewed them as well, and their peers also feel that they're worthy. Who can apply for the credential? Well, before we go into that, there's another aspect of that peer review. 20 of the individuals to whom they've presented have to then judge them on a scale of one to six okay. and rate them for the quality of their presentation, for what they brought to the table, and more. So the combination of that, plus the video review, is our total external review. Okay. And okay. it's an intense process. It's also very timely. These have to be submitted within a certain time period. Right. So in order to reach that audience, to get it out to them, to know that they'll submit it in a timely manner, given everyone's schedules these days, it's hard to even reach those people. So we suggest that rather than 20, perhaps we should reach out to 40. 
Who can apply for the credential, Sharon? The credential is open for application to those who are members for one full year prior to the application date of the National Speakers Association or a member association of the Global Speakers Federation. In the future, we're looking at expanding that reach. Okay. But at the present time for the 2019-2020 year, that is the limitation. Sharon, thank you so much for sharing this. And I'll share from my own personal experience, I have encountered clients who only hire CSPs. So I'm very grateful that you came here today to talk with us about the CSP application process. Do you want to share anything else before we end for the day? Yes, because I'm glad you said that. I have an Insight article in the November issue of Speaker Magazine that speaks to that. Why do bureaus, why do associations, why do event planners want to hire someone with that credential? Watch for more. Oh, via Speaker Magazine. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's my pleasure. Thank you. To learn more about becoming a CSP, visit nsaspeaker.org forward slash CSP. Thank you for joining us for another Voices of Experience. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and the National Speakers Association's various social media channels. I'll see you next week when Chris West concludes the Speaker's Guide to Video for Business Growth. And we'll be joined by Chris N. West, yes, it's the Chris West episode, to learn why Google thinks you're a liar and what tweaks you need to make right now to show up in more online results via search engine optimization. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.